and welcome to episode 987 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, November 16th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this morning by the birthday boy, Justin Mason. Happy birthday, buddy. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. It's, uh, you know, just just a little grateful to be alive for another, you know, year. <laughs> Especially a year that, uh, you know, what was was so fun-filled with the, with the Cedric Mullins mm-hmm. uh, uh, love fest. I, I imagine that uh you know your your birthday wish was just for him to come hang out with you yeah yeah um hoping it happens we'll see you know uh but uh you know if it doesn't happen there's always next year right cedric Mullins is gonna be around for a long time yeah honestly i I really can't wait to see uh what he does but we we got our obligatory reference to said in today uh we we do have some signings things are moving a little bit here in the offseason i know that there's been some concerns about how quick or slowly the offseason will move because of the pending labor negotiations, but uh, we're actually getting some moves. And then we'll dive back into your rankings, talk about a few key players across some of the positions. Uh, you have all your rankings up now. Your pitcher ones went up um, late last week, so people can check those out, get a first look at everything that's going on. But let's start with my wonderful Tigers. Making a big splash. There was already some talk, you know, kind of right out of the gate about how they were talking to some of the uh, some of the bigger free agent pitchers on the market, namely John Gray and Eduardo Rodriguez. And Eduardo is the one that they landed on in what I thought was a really nice deal here, um, bringing Eduardo Rodriguez in for 15 mil a year, which, you know, that's not bad at all. And I know we don't get too hung up on contracts one way or the other, but five years, 77 million for the Tigers. I think that's a really sharp move here. Um, if you listen to this podcast, you know I'm not a massive Eduardo Rodriguez guy in terms of fantasy. I think my biggest pushback has been this idea that there's a big growth potential for him with regards to uh, moving down that high threes ERA. Um, and we saw last year that he struggled 474, but the skills were still there to kind of be the high threes ERA guy that he is. But now moving to Detroit, not just because he's on my favorite team, I see a little bit of a potential, namely in cutting the home run rate. So that's probably the biggest thing that I see here is that getting out of the AL East into the AL Central, Fenway to Comerica, he could shave that home run rate back under one for the first time since 2015. And that could breed a little bit of growth. That's probably the biggest avenue that I see. Otherwise, I think his core skills are what they are, which is good. Um, And he's a, you know, quality mid-rotation kind of guy for fantasy and real life. What do you think about Erod signing in Detroit? Yeah, I mean, I thought this was a win-win situation for, for both the player and the team. Um, and so I love it. Uh, you know, I mean, he gets paid uh, with, I think, an opt-out in there uh, as yes. well. So after two years, this year and next, I believe, is, is when he can opt out. Yeah, so, I mean, if, if things don't work out or things work out really well, uh, he can opt out if, if things don't. He's still getting paid. So, and I thought it was a, you know, a way for the Tigers to booster that um, really good young rotation with kind of veteran presence, uh, mm-hmm. without having to like break the bank. They didn't have to go out and get a Scherzer type guy to do it uh, and spend you know a hell of a lot more money. And still have oh yeah, Correa, which has been the other rumored, uh, you know, potential signing for them. So. Yeah, I thought this was really, really astute on on both uh, on both sides, uh, kind of a win win situation. Uh, you know, Erod's one of those guys. I think he he busted up my ranks 
I mean, he went from kind of mid seventies, I think, to uh, I think around fifty something. Ooh, a um, nice jump. So yeah, you, I really were... wanted to see where he landed. Okay, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I figured you were kind of waiting um, because he didn't get a huge ranking, and I've, actually there were even some questions about it in the comments. Mm-hmm. But now that you see where he lands, and we've done this in the past too, where with free agents, we probably push them down a little bit, play a little bit conservatively, and then when they land, then we can better assess them. So that I think that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to rank, especially starting pitchers, because so much is determined on like you know where they're pitching uh, in terms of the park. So it's always hard to rank guys like that, uh, you know, unless they're coming from an extreme location, you know, John Gray is definitely going to be, you know, higher in my ranks than previous years, just because I assume he's not going back to Colorado. But the rest of the bunch, it's kind of hard to figure out. Uh, but yeah, I like Erod. I think people are going to bump him up like I did. I want to pump the brakes yeah. a little bit because people are like, oh, look, like his his underlying stats, you know, were so much better. And, and while that's true, like he's always had better you know, surf or, you know, under, under the, you know, uh, hood stats that he has surface and it's never really come to fruition. Plus there's a long track record of health issues. I know he's healthy the last two seasons. That's great. But you know, this is a guy that has struggled to stay on the mound. So if people start pushing him up towards like the top 50 or even the top 40, I'll probably be out, but I, I did like the signing, um, and I'm, I'm happy for you, buddy, that you're getting hey, to see your Tigers spend. I love it, and you know this team is on the rise. I think that's uh, that's pretty obvious based on how they played the bulk of the year. We talked about it a million times, the 8 and 19 April, and then three games over 500 from May 1st on, and they realize, listen, we got the young pitching coming up, but we still need a steady force there, and I like that because I know when they first started talking to or being rumored to the, uh, a starter, it's like, well, what about all the young pitchers? Yeah, of course, you have that. But you, you you know the adage, you can never have too much pitching. They're showing that they understand that. Plus, it's just it's just three guys right now, Mize, Scooble, and Manning. It's not like a set rotation. And Manning was terrible, so we have to see him rebound. So this totally makes sense. Um, and maybe even another guy, you know, somebody in the – eight to 10 million range might even still be brought on here uh, depending on how the off season plays out with, with their pitching too. So we'll see what's going on. This probably ends any potential JV reunion, which, Hey, a little bit of a bummer, but if they get Correa, Correa and Erod as the centerpieces of the off season would be massive as a Tigers fan. I would be ecstatic over that. So I really like that. Uh, let's move over to another big signing that happened this morning team that we're always, always talking about pitching needs uh with the angels and they go out and get thor noah syndergaard to a one-year 21 million dollar deal you know i'm saying no no bad one-year deals i tend to agree in this instance i'm a big thor guy um listen we don't know where he's at right now in terms of what he can offer next year but he did finish the season on the mound which to me is very important even just for a couple appearances shows a level of health that you can feel comfortable with and uh, and and actually invest a bit more. And so this is a little bit more than the qualifying offer, which he rejected from the Mets. I say it's a good move by the Angels here, uh, hoping to address their pitching. It can't be the only thing they do, but if this is the first of a couple moves, then I really like it for them. Thor out to the Angels. Where do you sit with that one? 
I mean, anytime an organization like the Angels that can't keep anybody healthy needs to go out and, you know, goes out and gets uh, Tommy John returnee, uh, like that is like just perfect, right? Um, it's, it's the meme all over again. Plus, Mets fans are crying because they've, you know, they lost that uh, part's Thor. So. Funniest. And they're like, we didn't want you anyway. Mm hmm. Total, the, the total turn. I just did the, uh, I tweeted out like, it's like that guy on Tinder that's flirting with a girl and she doesn't respond fast enough. Says, You're ugly anyway. I was, I was doing you a favor. A lot of that energy coming from Mets fans today. Uh, like, chill out. You know, it's like, I don't know why you, you thought that like he was a thousand percent coming back to New York. And it's an injured guy who is not a guarantee either. I, I love Thor. I'm excited and I hope he does well. But like, yeah, some of the reactions are a little bit harsh. Uh, what do you think for an in- innings total next year? What, what, what would you ballpark it at? Well, I mean, the Angels don't have any reason not to push him. Um, yeah, he's on a one-year one deal. It's you know, um, you know, if he gets hurt, he gets hurt. Not much they can do about it. So, uh, Steamers projecting him for 154. I think okay. that's pretty fair. Yeah, um, that's about where I'm at. Yeah, you know. I think that'd be great. Buck fifty. Yeah, um, the you know the hard part becomes where do you put him in your ranks? Like prior to the signing, I had him. Let's see, Syndergaard. Uh, I guess I had him lower than I thought. Uh, I had him at sixty nine. Nice. Um. So, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know that I'm gonna move him a ton. Or maybe even at all. I think he's just going to sit at 69 for me. I've got Severino and Jordan Montgomery ahead of him. Tywin Walker and Mike Clevenger behind him. Uh, I've, I've seen some people ranking these Tommy John returnee guys in the top 30 or top 40. The Verlanders, the Syndergaards, the, uh, uh, the, uh, the Clevengers. Oh yeah, Clevedon. Um, I'm, I'm not ready to push them into my top 50 yet. Like I need to see them on the mound. I guess Syndergaard we saw for for a minute, you know, through two minor league innings, two major league innings. So yeah. maybe I should be giving them a little bit more credit. But ugh. pitching yeah. is so deep. I just don't want to take the gamble on these guys. I will say these were quick and dirty rankings done at First Pitch Arizona in preparation for our draft. But I took Thor, took him relatively high, and my ranking right now actually has him at. 32 which is too high uh, i i fully grant that but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go down too far um you know you know how i feel about about tj returners but i will also say that his timeline is is one of the longer ones too in terms of his surgery and the return because he came back briefly but now he has all off season and I, I think he could come back for a relatively full season. The, the ones that I really push back on are when they're going to come back at some point in that draft year and you don't have any real clue what you're going to get. We should reasonably expect, again, assuming he stays healthy, which we, you know, we'll see if Thor can stay healthy, but we should reasonably expect about 150 innings. That's something I'm willing to bet on. Like I said, I think 32 is too high. Definitely going to adjust that. But uh, yeah, I, I was I was pretty aggressive with him. Ended up taking him in our draft and hold there. I'm probably going to move him down closer to like 40, but that's still obviously pretty high and and, and higher than you're at. Uh, I'm I'm ready to be hurt again. I'm ready to dive back in. Yeah, I mean a lot of people will be. I mean he, when he's on the mound, he's an amazing pitcher to watch. 
uh, is a guy you root for. I, I kind of love his uh, shtick on Twitter. I love uh, his personality. Yeah, yeah. Big fan. The, my biggest issue is I, I just worry about injuries and, um, you know, just how many injuries we saw this last year, how, mm-hmm. you know, ready teams are to be putting guys on the IL. Uh, you know, people, they, they, they're pulling the trigger a lot on these IL stints. He did have a setback. He technically had two setbacks, uh, you know, in his Tommy John uh, return. Uh, you know, the one that was related to the Tommy John was was in May. So hopefully that means, uh, you know, he, he's he's kind of over it. But I don't know. I just have an uneasy feeling about Syndergaard. And so unlikely he ends up on any of my teams this year. Yeah, I, and I, I don't think it's, you know, out of pocket to be fading him a bit and saying, listen, I'm not going to. I'm not going to dive in head first here with Thor. Let's see where it's at. And if I miss because of that and, and people get them at a better price, then fine. You're, you're willing to say that. And I, I understand that I'm going to be a little bit more aggressive um, and it becomes a personal preference thing. I certainly won't need to draft him super high uh, in the winter drafts. I think obviously he's one of those guys that the second he comes out in spring and looks good, though, he will skyrocket up the board. Uh, this one's not a, a new signing, but Jose Barrios signs an extension to stick in Toronto. So we'll briefly talk about this. He was going to be in Toronto no matter what. So this shouldn't change his 2022 ranking regardless. Uh, but what do you think about this move as it relates to the rest of their offseason? Does this take them out of Ray or Semyon or both? Where, where do you stand on on the Jays after inking Barrios full time here with the rest of their offseason? And then we'll talk a little bit about Barrios. I would think they're going to go get at least one more starter. Um, I think this is just more of a matter of, you know, they brought him in. This was the last year of his contract. Uh, he pitched well for them, uh, and he's he's the guy they want to kind of pin long-term hopes on. He's only 27, uh, so he's going to turn 28 in season. So I felt like this was just kind of wrapping things up. I can't imagine they're going to go in with the back half of this rotation as is. Uh, as much as we, you and I have both been kind of Ross Tripling fans, um, you know, I don't know that they necessarily want him as a, a full rotation piece. Nate Pearson uh, has had flashes in the minors uh, and a little bit in the majors, but not really. Uh, you know, are they ready to kind of hand him the keys to the back end of that rotation? I don't know. Mm-hmm. My guess is they're going to sign at least one more starter, uh, maybe even two, uh, and kind of really, and then obviously they need to bolster that bullpen. So, yeah, uh, I think they'll bargain shop too. I, I don't know that it'll be anybody all that big. Um, I could see them being a big player. Like for, I like like and go go back and get Ray. Yeah, I think I think their own guy. I think that could be you know a spot they go. Um, you know, I honestly, you know, I, I don't know that Scherzer wants to go to Toronto, but they were one of the teams rumored to be in on him during the trading time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, that's a shot I would take of them. Gosman's another shot I would take, uh, if I were them. Oh yeah. Gosman. You know, um, so, you know, maybe a, a reunification for, uh, with Marcus Stroman, someone like that. Uh, I, I think they're going to go after, I mean, this is a team that has every reason to go all in uh considering oh yeah no that their, their window yeah their window is here they have to push and it's what here about... and it's for a while too like it's exactly it's not going anywhere anytime soon uh i assume they're gonna they're gonna make a big move at some point whether it's in the rotation or in the bullpen 
I think remains to be seen. Like they, they could be a player oh, on okay. uh, a Kimbrel oh, or on a no, Iglesias. I, I don't that that's a terrible idea. Why? Um, because you just don't you don't win by signing premium free agent relievers. Uh, Liam Hendricks was great, uh, but he's an outlier. Like you just you just you just don't win putting your money there. Uh, it's it's just not it's just not what you want to do, especially for a team that is opening what should be a wide window. You put that in the starters, uh, or you put it in a premium offensive piece, which yeah, they probably don't can, need to do. Like 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 I think Kimbrell would be a great fit for them, right? He's only on a one year fifteen mil. Um, you know that, that's going to cost assets, and it's going to cost something. What you know, Nick Madrigal adjacent at the very least. Because that's what that's what he was traded for. So you know, maybe I, on a trade, but you know, signing Rysel Iglesias, I just I just don't think that's the right move. I, I think they, I think it's much they, smarter. Could, they, you wouldn't want them to trade like a Kevin Vigio or for a Kimbrel. If if they could do that, that's probably that's probably a, a decent deal. You know, and we, we we saw this year that hey, maybe the uh, maybe the prospect folks uh, had it a bit more right than than we believed initially on Vigio. Uh, you know, because he came up for the first 100 games back in 2019, looked sharp, still held some some pretty sharp work in 2020. But then this year, we really started to see some of the issues there where where the OBP is kind of the only carrying tool here. It's uh, OK power and, and the speed is good. Like he is sharp on the basis. He's 23 for 24 in his career with Biggio. But it'll be 27 next year. Something like that would be interesting. Uh, but I don't think putting money into Iglesias is the right move. I, I actually think it, it's a really bad move if they do that. Um, just because, again, it's so hard to win with premium free agent relievers. Uh, it's better to just and, I mean, build it on the fly. There's a ton of free agent relievers available. So like, yeah, mean, they, they can, they can they bargain shop those, there. Yeah, they could put those asset, the assets for a guy like Iglesias into two or three guys. Get, you know, get Mats and bring back Mats and, and sign Kershaw. And then and then play in the bullpen. Yeah, don't sign Kershaw. That's that seems scary. Why? The injury, man. You don't. I mean, Dodgers didn't even give him a qualifying offer. Like, yeah. So they're saying he's not worth nineteen. So sign him for sixteen. I mean, I, I I would take a shot on Kershaw on a one year deal. Obviously, he's got medical issues, but like, he's still so good when he pitches. Even this past year, one hundred twenty two innings of a three fifty five. ERA and a 102 whip, yeah, I, I would I would be open to taking a shot there, especially if they're going to make multiple moves. You know, I don't think that they can go out. I mean, they can, they can spend whatever they want, but I doubt that they're going to go like two massive moves. So if you do Now's something the time like before Kershaw, the rest of that team becomes expensive, right? I mean, go get a guy. I mean, go back and get Simeon. Go, you know, go get go get guys on you know shorter term deals before uh you know vlad teoscar you know, these guys hit like the real art money and stuff should probably spend the money on pitching i love yeah. Semyon, but that's just it's superfluous uh in that like you know not that scherzer he wouldn't makes help. a ton of sense for them like scherzer would scherzer yeah. would be great a premium arm like that i mean but you know you, you say you're afraid of of kershaw you have no trepidation about Scherzer at, at his age and, and starting to deal with like knickknack injuries. Like I, I think not, I mean, not there. after him coming and just, you know, crushing it this season. I mean, just he's, he's three years older than, than Kershaw. And the thing of it is Scherzer's a unicorn with two different colored eyes. 
Yes, he is. In in, in terms of the uh, the different colored eyes, you could have said the same about Verlander until he wasn't. Yeah, right? that's fair. I mean, there was no everybody to everybody be... Southie until they're not. But you know, I mean, Kershaw is just entering, or you know, he's entering free agency and the season coming off of you know what seems like a major injury. Yeah, um, I mean, he was he, you know, in his he own team. He's the face of the franchise. Of wouldn't even give him a qualifying offer, like. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm I, there. There is like really no way I'm gonna end up with Kershaw this year on any of my teams. Well, that's just your Dodgers bias. It's not. I love Kershaw. <laughs> I love Kershaw. Um, I'll see where he lands. I'm. I'm not. I, I wouldn't say I'm. I'm that out. Where did you? Out, do you remember where about you had him in your ranks? Because I can tell yeah, you, I up. have him at 58 right now. I think that's that's right around where I've got him. Okay. Um, You're not yeah, gonna get 50, him there. Fifty. Where is he going? Um, oh, I can yeah, I can ADP. check the ADP because there yeah. is an ADP up. Uh, okay. It's only okay. five drafts, but uh, he's fifty fifth pitcher, which you have to include relievers. Um, so I would eyeball about. I mean, the closest reliever there is Kimbrel. So I'd say about eight or so relievers. So it's not too far from where we're at. And he has a 68 uh, really holding that number up for Kershaw. He's got a 139 ADP with the 68, probably doing a good bit of the heavy lifting. So I don't know. I think my 50 is actually pretty spot on, and, and your 58 isn't isn't crazy. Yeah. I, I think we can I'm both. I'm surprised. I, I thought he'd be going higher. Um, I think a lot of people see it the way you do with regards to having some concern that he didn't even get a QO. But, I mean, it is 19 mil. Um, and the Dodgers, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that, that none of it is the health of Kershaw. But isn't some of it just where they're at financially? And, yes, they have limitless money and everything. But that that hasn't stopped them from being smart. They're not usually mm-hmm. frivolous with it. And they understand that, uh, you know, Yes, they can spend a lot, but they still want to make everything kind of work uh, and not be too bloated. So I wonder if it—I wonder if at least some of it is just like, hey, they've got a lot of money spent, um, and what if they want to try to bring back Scherzer? And so they prioritize him over Kershaw. You know, Bueller's going to start making big stacks. They've got Mookie Betts over there. Um, what if they want? You know, they got Trey Turner. Then what if they want to get uh, Seager? I don't think they want to, by the way. I, I, th- I yeah, think they're going to walk personally. But uh, they're paying David Price 32 mil next year. Um, they're paying Trevor Bauer 45 million, Justin Turner 20 million. So I, I think there's plenty of things to look at and be like, hey, this, this plays a role into why they didn't give Kershaw a QO as well, not just that they think his, his arm is about to fall off. All right. I'm still still petrified. Okay. Um, Saya Suzuki. Saya Suzuki. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce it. I have not heard it said, but uh, S-E-I-Y-A, if anybody has, has that, Saya Suzuki. Uh, coming over from Japan, his team will be posting him. And this is an interesting guy here. He's, uh, he's 27, coming off a 38 home run season. 
He has hit uh, 25, 28, 31, 26, 29 in the years before that. Big power guy. He spiked some stolen base seasons, but he looks like more of a volume runner who's not uh, particularly adept at uh, knowing when to go. Like his 25 steal season came with 16 caught. So I would probably just focus on the power and the hit tool. Um 319, 300, 335, 321, 300. These are his batting averages. Big hitter coming over in Suzuki. How much do you know about him, if anything? And uh, are you are you eager to see what he can do on uh, on, on the big league soil here? Uh, I don't know a ton about him. No, uh, I, I was in a mock draft for uh, the Fantasy Baseball Magazine. Uh, last week with with Tim McLeod, so I can I was you, you I know who's going to know where him, this right? is going. Yeah, so he he uh, he jumped on him uh, pretty early, eight I think seventh or eighth round um, is where he ended up going uh, in that draft. Actually, I could probably figure it out pretty quickly if my computer I, will. Uh, while you're looking that up, I, I I I don't want this to be like lazy analysis here. Mm-hmm. I just want to point out. Hasyung Kim came over with some pretty spicy numbers, and we saw, you know what what how he labored this year. Mm-hmm. He was coming off a 921 OPS and a 30 homer season in Korea. Korea, Japan, a, a bit different, right? I believe the Japanese league is regarded a a, a, a cut higher, a little bit higher, yeah, a maybe? little bit higher than the, the Korea, maybe league. like a quad A versus a triple A. Mm-hmm. I think any double, I think it's double A versus triple A is uh is the way it's looked at is korean baseball is more like a, a double a kind of organization in uh and japanese is more like a triple a okay so you know keep that in mind but i just wanted to be careful that we don't just buy into the like buy wholesale on the numbers and say well hey this is where i'm at i will say tim mcleod being interested his track record is remarkable in terms of being on top of the the imports and knowing when to when to push. I remember him putting me on Kenta Maeda and Masahiro Tanaka at FPAS at First Pitch Arizona before I even knew who they were. I see him draft them at a pretty decent round somewhere in like the the round eight to twelve range, which is still a pretty impact pick. And I'm like, who's this guy you just t- took? You know, I talked to him on break, and he's like, oh. Masahiro Tanaka coming over. Keep an eye on him. Boom, nailed it. Kenta Maeda, keep an eye on him. Boom, nailed it. Um, even put me on Miles Michaelis coming back before before that was a thing. So he knows what's up. So the fact that you said he took him in the eighth round, that is intriguing with regards he to He took size. him in the tenth. So tenth round. pick right, so that's, 149. That's an, pick. that's an impact pick. You know, you're you're putting you're putting something out there if you're if you're taking somebody in the tent there. Um, so we don't have a ton of analysis on him because we don't know about him. Yeah, but, Tim uh, thinks he's a, a twenty ten type guy with with a good OBP, twenty homers, ten steals. Yeah, so okay. I mean that is got a lot of value. Um, mm. You know, I, I think once he posts and signs, especially depending on where he signs, uh, you know, and I think he can play center field. So I think he's going to be a pretty hot commodity on the MLB market. He, he's going to get pushed up quite a bit. Uh, people are going to, especially after the year Shoyo Otani had, like, yeah. where people are just going to go, oh, these guys translate. And the, people tend to forget the ones that miss, like Kim, uh, as opposed, and I know Kim came from the KBO, but, um, you know, but people tend to forget the guys that miss and, and remember the ones that hit. 
which is always funny to me because typically, like, I, I remember my losses way better than my wins. Right. Um, but for some reason with kind of the foreign-born players, we remember the hits and not the misses. Um, yeah, 149, I don't, like, you know, 150 area where Tim got him, like, I don't think that's a bad uh, a bad spot for him necessarily. Okay. Uh, Suzuki's 27 as well, so... Mm-hmm. You know, and he's played all over the diamond. You said he can hold center field, which is great, which means he can move down the defensive spectrum as he gets older. But I love this uh, this sort of turn recently of, of some of the uh, imports coming in from Asia younger. Kim himself, like I said, much younger. Uh, I'm actually still bought in on Kim for next year uh, because he's going to be so dirt cheap at age 26 that uh, I know you and I liked him last year. It was a flop. I'll be right back this year at a much, much cheaper price. Suzuki will be the uh, will be the shiny new toy, so keep an eye on him, and we'll see where he signs. We'll talk a bit more about him when he signs, and uh, I'll do some I'll do some study on him. But uh, he I is will pumped. say that right now, if you want to get some cheap shares, do some early drafts. His yes. ADP is four fifty one. He's only gone in three of the five drafts. So yeah, far, that will skyrocket an absolute ton. This is just people not knowing who he is yet. Exactly. Um, like us, him. by the way. Yeah. I mean, his his min pick is 155, so below where Tim had him. Uh, say that again? His min pick is 155, which is below where Tim took him. Oh. So, uh, and obviously in two drafts, he didn't even get drafted. And we're talking about, these are, these are 50-round draft and holds that we're talking about right now. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, if you want some, you know, kind of some gamble shares at a really cheap price, now is the time. Yes, absolutely. The um, We talk about this with winter drafts. There's pros and cons. But if you think you can attack the pool, if you, if you have a, a firm handle on where the, the talent pool is, you can get a lot of your bargains. Obviously, there's the the heavy injury risk of, of things that can turn and roles that can change drafting this early. Uh, but I do I do see the pros and cons. I like to mix, right? I, you know, we do some of these early drafts, and then of course I have plenty in March as well. But uh, Saya Suzuki, we'll keep a close eye on him. And again, once he once he does sign with a team, I'll have a little bit more on him in terms of a scouting report and get some get some uh, analysis that we can kind of uh, you know sink our teeth into once he signs. Just the, this is just announcing that he is posted, and uh, we'll see how that process plays out. All right, let's dive back into your rankings. Uh, we kind of go in by each position here, and I'm, I'm highlighting a player or two that, that really jump out to me that I want to discuss one way or the other. And uh, we're at second base after leaving off. We just did catcher in first base last time. Uh, we're going to go to second base. I want to talk about Jorge Polanco. You're showing a lot of uh, belief in him. He got the sixth ranking at second base, coming off an amazing season. 33 homers, 11 steals, 269, 323, 503 slash line. Just awesome. You know, scored 97 runs with 98 ribbies on the struggling twins. Imagine if they had gotten going offensively where those numbers could have been. But uh, he was amazing. Polanco was in his age 27 season. He was coming off a pretty big dud last year. Uh, just yet another case of the, the two-month season not really being indicative of anything. Because if you look, this really kind of carries on from 2019 quite nicely. In fact, his WRC Plus goes from 120 back in 19 to 122 this past year. He adds he adds the extra homers. Um, the, the steals have always been interesting with him. He's like a guy that 
I think gets more credit for steals than he deserves because he's not really sharp on the bases. He did get 11 this year in 17 tries. Uh, he had a 13 back in 2017 on 18 tries, but then he was seven for 14, four for seven, four for six. So you don't really count, uh, not count it. I, I don't want to say count it, but you don't really uh, factor that part in in terms of why you're going to draft him because you have the chance to be heavily disappointed. If Polanco can spike a double digit, steel season you take it and you move on but for the most part you're paying for the big pop here and, and decent batting average at sh second base and does he have shortstop eligible is he dual so he's dual eligible this year and like i said you had him six which means you're buying in that that's that's a belief to me if you're putting him at six after this big season so talk to us a bit about jorge polanco what into what went into your ranking and what you see from him next year yeah, I mean, this is one of those guys that I missed on in 2021, and it's because, like a lot of people in the industry, I put way too much weight on 2020. Mm -hmm. uh, and, I mean, he had a fantastic 2019. Uh, there was, You know, we, we just kind of crushed him for uh, a crappy 2020. But, yeah, it's 55 games, man. It was, it was 200 plate appearances. Uh, and, I mean... He was he was great this year, but he was amazing in the second half. Uh, you know, oh yeah, in the second half he hit 21 home runs uh, with a 287 batting average. Uh, you know, stole four bases, but he was four for seven. Like who cares? Whatever. I mean, like like yeah, you said, again, he's, that's... he's just not gonna like anything you get from him. You pencil in five, and anything else on top uh, is just gravy. It's just kind of added value. Uh, but I think he's a legit. You know, high 20s, low 30s homer guy with, you know, five stolen bases and like a 270 batting average. Um, at, at, at second base, especially like in shortstop, he uh, let's see, where where is he in my shortstop ranks? He, he drops all the way so down to not filthy. Nine. Deep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but second base is much, uh, much more thin, especially at the top. So, uh, or, I mean, there's, there's really just a huge drop off. Like you go from, you know, the, the Albies, Merrifield, Simeons, Altuve's and Polanco. And then it's, you know, Brandon Lau and Jonathan Indian. Like, I like those guys, but they're, they're just a, a cut below in terms of, you know, your overall value. So, uh, yeah, I, I like Corey Polanco a lot. Um, I don't think this is an aggressive rank. I think this is actually right where he belongs. And, um, uh, you know, I'll be interested what the Twins do this offseason. Do they fancy themselves uh, a team that can compete, uh, even though last year was really disappointing, or are they going to continue to kind of just strip this down? Uh, so I don't think they should. I think I think that's that that's can they even like with where they're at? How do you do that? Everyone's like mid twenties or older. I mean, you got a few guys on the come up. Um, and they have prospects, but like their starting lineup right now, that which doesn't include, um, or no, it does include Kirloff and, and Larnack. Mm -hmm. They're they're 24, 25 respectively, and so those are those are the young guys, and then everybody else, like I said, is kind of like 27 or older. How could you even rip it apart? Like I don't think the, they should. Lineup's uh, almost too good, but that to rotation. Not, that, that's a problem when Bailey Ober and Joe Ryan are your one, two. And I like Joe Ryan a lot. And I actually like Bailey Ober, um, a decent amount. Like, like they really, like if, if they're going to try to compete in this division, they've got to go get some starting pitching. 
Yeah, um, my eight my is toast next year with Tommy John for those that mm-hmm. uh, might not might have forgotten. And, you know, Simeon Woods Richardson and Johan Duran and Jordan Blazovich cannot fix this on their own. What about like a Robbie Ray for them to to get the get the ball rolling at least? I think they need multiples. I don't know that just one will do it. But do you go big for somebody like a Ray or a Gosman to try to? I think they uh, can go for one of the big guys. I think they need to put the assets that they put into a Robbie Ray into three guys. So like you know, or at least into two guys. Um, you don't think they could go Ray and somebody else that's a that's a bit smaller? Maybe I just don't I, I just don't know if that organization's willing to spend that kind of money in order though I mean you know Erod didn't get like I know I know Ray is yeah, is well, a yeah better what if John guy, Gray gets, gets like that. Erod didn't get like a huge AV either like um th- this has the feeling of like a I don't know a Tyler Anderson and um I don't know like a Kwon Young Kim. You say you don't know if they're willing to spend. The only one making over ten mil is is Josh Donaldson. Yeah, I know. But and I know they're not like a heavy spend type, type of team. I yeah, I know, but like, you know what make a lot of sense? Trading is, Buxton for a pitcher. Oh, I was gonna say trade Kepler, um, but trading Buxton for a pitcher would make a lot of sense. Um, and you know. It's clear that Buxton does want to test the market, or at least that's the way it sounds like. Or, uh, and so yeah, this is their last year with him. And this is yeah, this is their last year with him. So like, I mean, a Miami, you know, trade. Oh, oh my God, that's like too perfect. You know, could you could you trade, uh, you know, Buxton for Pablo Lopez? I, I think you could get more or less any of them. Yeah, I mean, and and they're kind of they're interchangeable to a degree that it doesn't matter. We'll just say one of the premium arms, you know, like um, maybe it's not Alcantara because, well, I mean, actually, I feel like it could be. I, again, I believe it could be any of them. I think I think you, if you call Miami, I'd be surprised if you start talking Buxton and they didn't say take your pick between Alcantara, Rogers, and Lopez. Yeah, so uh, I think that it would be you know especially with. Lopez, he's just entering his first year of ARB this year. Like, I don't know if I don't know if Alcantara is the one that they'd get, but any of the others. Probably, I feel like because of the way he finished, they might have him a cut above. Uh, but he is also the oldest. Uh, he's, a, he's a few months older than than Lopez. So you know, I don't know. I, I again, the bottom line, I don't want to parse it too much with Alcantara, Rogers, or Lopez. They would all be a coup for Minnesota to put atop their rotation. And that's really the point here. And it's not even that I'm like out on bucks and I know he's struggled to stay healthy, but I'm somebody who's kind of still kind of kept drafting him, hoping to spike that big season, trying to balance the the risk with the reward there in terms of what he costs and how many games he gives you, which is usually not many. Um, But yeah, if he's like not really looking to make a long-term commitment to them, they should flip it. Because they are Absolutely. the kind of organization that's not going to go crazy mm-hmm. spending. And so they're talking, you know, it sounded like there were some rumors about it last year at the deadline about maybe trading Buxton. But I think finding pitching, I think Miami, I think you're really onto something there about how well that fits and uh, what they could do there. And then you, you get a topper like that. And then, like you, some of the names you were saying, like Kwong Young Kim and maybe a couple guys at, at, at that tier level 
and then all of a sudden, this is a team that can compete again. Uh, I think if they if they do find a couple impact arms, they can turn this around very quickly because they fell off very quickly, and I don't think that they're that they're stuck in a, a dead period here. Yeah, I mean, for me, this is a team that really could go after like two lefties. You know, maybe they're uh, Rich Hill. You know, uh, yeah, something like that. Uh, Kikuchi, that's a one year. Uh, Danny Duffy. Kikuchi is interesting because they're a lot of folks still see upside with him, which I understand because when he flashes the stuff, it can be really excellent. Um, and so, you know, can can they harness it and get it for you know more than ten of his thirty starts? Can we get it for twenty of his thirty starts? And then all of a sudden, I think you can start to see somebody who could be an impact arm in terms of Kikuchi, uh, Alex Wood, Stephen Matz in the same vein of what you're talking about with like the Rich Hill. So yeah, a lot of uh, potential moves here for Minnesota. I forget how we got, oh, with Polanco. So yeah, and by the way, I didn't mean to suggest that you were like way out on a limb. I just was saying that you are buying in to the season and I am too, I'm seven. So okay. we have yeah, one so difference right there. there. You know, I mean, some of these guys that are on my ranks will move a ton. So if you're looking at my ranks either on the Patreon where I'm updating them live uh, or on the site on, on fan graphs, um, you know, where I'm just dropping them every once in a while. Like these guys are going to change wildly over the next few weeks. I'm even pro I'm probably going to do a full update, like starting later this week. Um, yeah. Cause you know, the more study you get, the start to change things. Right. And it's yeah. like, I, and, I like, change mine I, as every much day as I as much as I the hate the comments and complain about them, I actually love the comments. I, I say yeah. I love the comments. I love putting up rankings and then getting in there and, and debating things with folks and when they have a disagreement. Yeah, I I, I complain about it uh, because sometimes it's petty stuff, but um, it also helps me because there'll be guys that I forgot, like you know um, exactly, and there'll be guys where I was just way too high or way too low. Um, because, like I said, I mean, my first run of the rankings is just me eyeballing it and going, "This is where my mind, after watching a you know full season of baseball, thinks they're going to go." And now is the time mm -hmm. to kind of defend or dig in, or or go. You know what? I I was wrong uh, on that. Um, so. Yeah, and open up to saying, "Hey, I I don't. I, I think I think I'm a little off here." And like and... two of the guys left on this list, uh, I've already moved. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Okay, great, great. Uh, well, let's get into the next one. Let's go over to shortstop and talk about O'Neill Cruz. Is he, is he one of the ones? He is not. Okay, so you have him at 17, which a couple things. A, shortstop, deep, something that we've been kind of hitting on regularly. And as such, I wonder how a guy who has, has not, uh, not yet debuted – can be so high. Uh, well, 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 he debuted. He, he did debut. He did debut. Uh, nine plate appearances. Mm -hmm. He has not. He's not debuted, and in, in terms of what I mean, which is he hasn't really played. Mm -hmm. But he did debut. Did get the taste. He did step on the big league field. So it's not all brand new to him next year. But O'Neill Cruz, twenty-two years old, going to be twenty-three next year. Huge dude. If you've never seen him, six ten or six seven, two ten. Interesting frame for shortstop. Um, Find, we'll find a spot somewhere, even if shortstop doesn't quite work. But he's really improved his defense as a prospect to the point where more and more uh, outlooks are saying that he's he can hold the position for a little bit. You have him at 17. I think the surprise there is because of the depth of the position and his lack of uh, his lack of experience. That feels like a that feels like an impact ranking to me. It is. It is uh, me kind of 
putting my shit out on the table uh, and being this is the guy I want to go get. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of it is uh, uh, I got a little bit of inside info. Someone slipped me his uh, his stat cast data from the minor leagues. Oh, and that that, that got you. Uh, got and, you yeah, scrum? man, just um, yeah. I he, he I I've got a crutch. Let's just say that. Um, okay, you know, on on O'Neill Cruz, and he's probably a little bit too high. I definitely shouldn't have Dansby Swanson uh, behind him. Uh, but after that, like, I mean, there, like, don't get me wrong, like, there is just a ton of shortstop depth. I mean, it just, it just, it's insane how good the shortstop position is right now, especially if you've been playing fantasy for any time, uh, and remember the days where, like, you were drafting shortstops that hit 220. Oh, um, yeah. And it was just, you know, uh, and so... Uh, but yeah, I, I really believe in the talent and, uh, I think Pittsburgh has no reason not to just let him go and see what they've gotten him. Um, and I think he could be a, a really, really sneaky guy. Uh, I'll, I'll be interested and I'm actually going to pull up his ADP right now and kind of yeah, see let, let, let where, where he's going. going in some of these early drafts. Uh, ADP 291. Okay. What, what so, is that among shortstops? Uh, thirty seconds. Yeah, that's that's more in line with where I had him in my my rankings, um, at twenty seven. And it's man, it's it is so deep. You know, I, I look at some some folks down here with Cruz, uh, where I have Cruz, and I see a. Eugenio Suarez, who I think can bounce back. Jose Barrero, by the way, who I don't think is really getting any run. Mm-hmm. Where did you rank him? Oh, Barrero, Barrero, Barrero. Oh, I missed him. See, ah, see you're, this you're is... among those forgetting him. Uh-huh. So I'm, I'm glad I brought it up. Got to add him. Might remember him as Jose Garcia a couple mm-hmm. years ago, folks. Changed his name. He'll always be Jose Garcia to me. Uh, well, <laughs> then you won't find him when you search him. That'll be the tough part. But uh, got a taste last year. Played 24 games, did nothing. Quite literally nothing. His WRC plus was zero uh, in 68 plate appearances. Fine, but he's 22. He was being challenged. He hadn't hit higher than double or than high A prior to that in 2019. So he goes down this year to double A, triple A, uh, crushes in both, gets back up in the majors for 56 more plate appearances, still does nothing. I'm still not really dissuaded by that one way or the other. We have 124 plate appearances, a pretty uninspiring work. So I understand why that's not jumping out, but that's a tiny nothing sample. And I still think Jose Barrero can be somebody who uh, takes that job in Cincinnati this year and plays really well. He's got some good pop, uh, batting average, and a little sprinkle of speed, too. Like, he, he can run. If they let him go, I think he can be a double-digit guy somewhere in the 12 to 16 steal range, not to take the thunder we, here from O'Neill Cruz. Well, and, and, you know, just finish off Barrero before we go back to, to Cruz. Uh, they were playing him in center field uh, and at second base. So uh, he... He, you know, he's only going to have shortstop eligibility in most leagues just because they, they tend to revert either to their their minor league position or where they played the most. They played nine games at, at shortstop. Uh, but, like, Burrell's a really interesting guy um, in a... I'm trying to think of, like, a good comp. Uh, uh, you know, like, he, he could be this year's Josh Rojas. Okay, which is you know kind of like a fifteen fifteen guy. Yeah, uh, so there that were ends some, up being there triple were eligible. 
spates of impact mm-hmm. uh, for him as well. And you know, he, you know, eleven and nine this year in 139 games for for Rojas started to make that impact. And yeah, it might not all come at once with Barrell, but I think he's so far off the radar right now that I definitely see him as somebody that in these 50 round drafting holes, which is pretty much all I'm doing right now, or best ball. I'm I'm gonna be looking to take him. Like I I really I really like Barrero. Um, I like Cruz too, by the way. Like I said, I have these guys close, and that's part of the thing. I'm like trying to move up Cruz, but I got I got Barrero, I got Suarez there, I got uh, uh, Ahmed Rosario, JP Crawford have have some interest to me. Luis Urias is a guy I like the the aforementioned Josh Rojas. The unfortunate thing with Rojas is I think he plays all those positions because he can't really play any of them. If you catch my drift, whereas I think Barrero, Barrero's a defensive stuff. Yeah, he can have um, an impact there, mm-hmm. uh, and that's why he'll be playing multiple positions. So, let's get back to Cruz. If, unless you're not done on Barrero. No, no. I, I mean, I, I think I like Barrero. I don't think he is a a guy who's going to win you any categories. Uh, but where, where's he going to? Uh, where's he going to come into your rankings? I already have... put him at forty three. Okay. Um, and that may he may he may move up a little bit, um, but that seems about right. I think what helps him is you know, the the Reds aren't going to re-sign Cassianos. Uh, I could see them making a move and trading, um, you know, either a Mustakis or a uh, Eugenio Suarez. Um, yeah, because they have some awkward fit right now, like yeah. between Suarez and Moose. They're righty lefty versions of each other. Uh, that you know can't really be played short. Yeah. I know Suarez. I mean, they still have Kyle Farmer nice. too, so maybe. Yeah. Do you buy into anything that he did this year? Not like, a ton. Because like, I didn't even. I don't even have him ranked, and I ran, I ranked forty shortstops, and I didn't rank him. I do have him ranked. I have him ranked like thirty fifth, and that's just mainly. I think he's got a full time job. I think the Reds. See, I don't. Give him a shot. I don't think he does. Um, he was. He's thirty. I mean, thirty one yeah. next year, and even with the sixteen homers. You're talking about 86 uh, WRC plus or 91, excuse me, um, 91 WRC plus. I don't know, man. This looks like a flash in the pan where you know he he filled in admirably for them when he when he got really hot. He has a uh, player of the month card in MLB the Show, so I know he was he was excellent for at least one month. It was the uh, yeah July where he did so much of his production. He had 1147 OPS and five homers. And his only other month above 630 OPS besides that was September. So I, I'm i not going to rank Kyle Farmer. I'm sorry, Kyle Farmer. I know you listen. And I mean, even if he is good again, like, what does that mean? Like, he had 529 plate appearances. It was 16 home runs and two stolen bases. Like, yeah. Like, if he repeats that, it's still like, uh, okay. Why? I'd rather have fine. Edmundo Sosa. <laughs> I would. Okay. He's a better uh, defender, and I think he can have, he could probably hit better, and he's probably like forty years younger. He's, he's five I've years. Gotta, yeah, I've got to move him down because, like, as much as Farmer, I think does have a pretty regular role. Like, wouldn't you rather have the upside of like a Jonathan VR? Boom. I mean, yeah, because or he at least Nikki runs. Lopez, like, uh, you know. uh, wait, you have Nicky Lopez down that low? I do, but that's a mistake, I think. I guess I'm not I'm not like a Nicky Lopez stand, but didn't he start doing what we thought he could do last year? And, and like we're still mad at him because he didn't do it last year. Yeah, probably. I think that's some bias right there. Yeah, because like we, you know, when he came up in the big foul. Oh, yeah. Blues, uh, I, I didn't realize he stole 22 bases. 
22 wow. for 23, looking really sharp. And his defense was so good that he's not going anywhere. Wow. I'm he okay. Four war last year, 4.4. You know, that's really right on the cusp of being a five win player. Uh, with because his defense was so good with the base he running, he struck out thirteen percent of the time. Still walking yeah. near eight. It's wow, a player profile I'm... that that you have to plan for because of, of the absent power. Oh, the a ninety three percent zone contact percentage. Dude, he was all over it. Yeah, that's okay. I'm yeah okay. So, I got him. I got him twenty three. Yeah, Lopez is gonna go up quite a bit. Um, see, this is why we do re ranks. Exactly. No, it's always is, a work in progress. Like, yeah, this is. Yeah, if you're not so, working through your rankings in the season, then like, what do you? What I, do you I encourage people to check this out is a great the Patreon. Exercise. But um, if you if you can't afford the Patreon or just don't don't want to do it, um, I I will I will do a re-release uh, starting this week, so into next week. So if uh, all, all all the positions, what is it? Eight positions. You're gonna put. You're going to put like notes in of what's changed. I think that'd be really interesting if you did like bullet notes. I think I'm going to do that. I'll probably do notes, but I will probably keep those notes for the Patreon. Like that. Smart. So, uh, and you can, you can go to the Patreon, uh, sleep, uh, sleeper in the bus. Uh, that's right. So, um, and, uh, and, and, and support us. We appreciate that. Very much. So we will have a, a uh, an off season plan unveiling soon as we kind of get through, Thanksgiving holiday, and then I think I think that's when like we're the psychos that turn it back up. Sometimes in October, I know uh, I know some people don't even turn down at all. I turned down a bit this this year. Uh, October was chill. I just enjoyed the playoffs, and then a little bit early November got to get a few few trips in. Uh, but I'm fully in. I've been like binging pods that I that I missed, just fully diving back into baseball already. I've not listened to a baseball podcast uh, since July. Oh wow! I've been but yeah, listening I think, to history podcasts. I think a lot of people start to come back in December, mm-hmm. start to crack open the books, especially the diehards. Which uh, that's a lot of people that are listening right now, right? A lot of the casuals I, aren't. I understand that. I will say, man, there, there. Are, it seems like this year there are more people in the industry grinding baseball at this time of year than absolutely I've ever seen. Uh, I think a lot of a lot of a lot of people in the industry. I've seen this this discussed a lot of like. I, I got to get better and it has to start earlier. Mm-hmm. And like, that's the way to do it is to start early to get more familiar with the player pool. Cause that's what you're doing right now. You're really just familiarizing yourself with the player pool, studying players so that when that name comes up, you have a framework of where you're at with that player. And that changes too. And that, that you should be open to changing that as you hear new info and you might sway wildly. There's nothing wrong with that. If you see compelling evidence that, that changes your mind, I don't know why people get so stuck on like not being able to change their mind on something. It's like, I, I feel like that that's always happened because we're always getting such new info. If you get too, and I'm not saying like every time somebody has a good game, you're like, Oh, he's good now. Oh, he he sucks now. Like not that crazy, but like, like you just had with Nikki Lopez, you had a idea and you're like, ah, he's a speed guy, whatever. And then you saw him like, Holy crap. Cause you don't know the entire profile of every player. Once the season wraps, you need the time to learn those. And so, you know, I, I love this process of kind of going through and saying, hey, what about this guy? Oh, no, I didn't think about that. And then you, then you change your mind. So, uh, in fact, I'm moving up Cruz, by the way, on your little secret sauce news on the hit power. Let's get back to him real quick, by the way. We did derail a bit with Barrero and Lopez. 
you have the idea that uh, Pittsburgh should turn them loose pretty much from the jump. Um, maybe maybe the week in AAA or whatever. And hopefully they get rid of service time manipulation in this CBA, but we'll see. What can O'Neill Cruz do next year realistically coming in and playing? Let's say let's say uh, five plus months. Let's say 140 games. 140 games. Um, I think he hits uh, 27 home runs. 25 home runs. 25 home okay. runs and steals eight bases. 25 and eight. Okay. Steamer says in 110 games, he goes 19-13. They're even, they're even higher than you. He was 18 for 21 at AA on the bases. He only had six games in AAA and then the two-game taste in the majors for O'Neill Cruz. So we have nothing there to really sink our teeth into. Five uh, so runs in those six games in AAA. Oh. I mean, yeah, that was absolutely Bonkers. nasty. Yeah. The, the 370 WRC plus that he did put. And that's why they gave him... Uh, a little taste and they said you know what Th- that's like a, re- a reward and i know it sounds silly uh maybe to some like oh whatever no no to get to come up experience it for two games that was basically a reward for how bananas he was in a six game sample at triple a um but yeah i i hope they i hope they go with him off rip uh i think it's something that will be volatile he could realistically hit like 225 but it could it could realistically come with 30 homers like that. There is a path there. That is not the projection, but there is a path to where he just clubs the shit out of the ball, steals a ton of bases, is a batting average hindrance for your team. But otherwise, like if you can work around that and you have an established batting average base that you can eat something that low, which I'm not saying it will be guaranteed, but, it you know, there, there's risk for that with his swing and miss and and just kind of his swing path and everything. Uh, that we've seen thus far with uh, mid twenties strikeout I mean, rates. It's so rare these like giant players. Oh yeah, I mean so, again six, six seven, seven two ten. <laughs> so yeah, you know, it's, like, it's so really, rare for these really guys to be able to hit for high batting averages. Um, yeah, you know, there's always a lot a hole of holes. Swings, yeah. So uh, I, I think he, yeah, I think he is gonna give. I, I, I have no doubt he's gonna give power. Like you know, if if. If I just said like he's just gonna give you power, he's probably gonna hit two forty, but like there's thirty bombs, you know, potentially coming, uh, I would be fine with this ranking. Um, but I also think there's upside for a little bit more uh yes. in terms of at least stolen bases. Um and and then like I, I think he's probably gonna hit like two sixty. Like that'd be if if I was right. doing a projection for him right now, I'd be like two sixty, twenty five he obliterates the ball, so yeah. he can maybe overcome, um, you know, he, he can sustain a high BABIP and overcome some of these strikeout issues that, that he's likely to have at the big leagues because uh, we've seen him in the minors. So I think O'Neill Cruz can definitely, you know, just crush his way to a big batting average via BABIP and, and smoking the ball all the time, the extra speed. And uh, he could be a fun player. You know, Pittsburgh doesn't have a ton of guys that you're dying to watch. O'Neill Cruz could be somebody that quickly kind of becomes the the it guy on the fantasy landscape. So you're announcing your presence early here uh, with, with Cruz. I think uh, we have time for one more here. We'll save the outfield for later this week. But let's talk about third base. And this guy's third base only. Uh, Which I actually works out. well. 
and it's Alberto Mondesi, and you got him at seven. He's and already look, moved up. He's moved up. Okay, because yeah. you did say that you were moving guys, and you didn't say which way. So we're moving him up. Mm-hmm. Where are we moving him to? I'm. <laughs> this is one that could bounce around. I, I have him fourth. I. That's where I put him. Um, yeah. And I don't feel great about it, but I. I understand. Um, you know, and then there's like this news of they, they might try to be limiting him to about 120 games. Okay, that's fine. I, I don't really have a problem with that. I understand he stole that, 15 bases in 35 in 35 games. games. Yeah, like I understand that when when you're already putting a cap of 120, you know, one injury really starts to cut into it. But what you just said was the point I was going to make. 15 stolen bases in 35 games, 24 and 59 games. The impact is so massive when you have him that I, I still think he's worth quite a bit. In and you can base. still spike the big season where they say, F this regulation here. He's so good. We're going to try to push him 140. And, uh, you know, there's a, still a ton of upside. And third base is like. If if you think there is a gross position, which I don't, I think every position is pretty deep. Um, yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of talent. I mean, outside of catcher, uh, like catcher, of course, is always going to be grossish. But yeah. um, if there is a position that gets gross, it's third base. It gets um, so similar. It's just like these guys are all the same, mm-hmm. and and it's uh, it, like it, there's it gets clearly like at. a top six or seven. Yeah. Um, you know, Jose Ramirez, Devers, Machado, oh, Mondesi, Riley, yeah, Riley, third, Arenado, Bregman. Like, like that is. Did you say Bryant? I did not have Bryant in that group. Oh, I have Bryant. I have Bryant at five. Really? Am I overrating him? I think so. A little bit. Well, let's let's continue your thought. Um, let's not derail here, but maybe maybe we circle back to Chris Bryant. Yeah, but the, uh, so there's clearly like a top six or seven, depending on whether or not you think Bregman belongs in that conversation or should belong in kind of the next tier. Um, and then, like you said, like the difference between you know Anthony Rendon, DJ Mayhew, Chris Bryant, Cabrian Hayes, Josh Donaldson, Moncada, Turner, Chapman. I'm just going over my you know straight down my ranks. Um like is like eh like I could see some of them breaking out having huge years and I could see you know a number of them just disappointing and I don't yeah, know. Like like they ones. will on the distribution of stats but you don't really have a great feel on No. And so like, who to I, go for there. That could um, be that could be good though because then you can kind of push the position. You know you're going to get something in the same quality range as a lot of the league, and it can help you maneuver at other positions. Yeah, if I don't get one of these top five guys, I'm waiting because like I, you know, I, I you know, I like some of the guys. You know, Gio Urshela. Machado. I'm going to uh, move him. Uh, you know, Gio Urshela is a guy I like. Uh, Abraham Toro is a guy I like. Yeah, um, I got know. Toro low, but I, but I like him. I got him in that in that range with Kim. That you know, fifty round draft and holds mm-hmm. deeper leagues. I'm I'm looking yeah, at those I'm guys. Like Twenty eighth. Um, he may move up a spot or two, but um, like there's a lot of guys that like I do. I feel like that strongly about I don't know Candelario versus Josh Donaldson. Yeah, exactly. Like, no, I don't really. No, um, and like, how can you really delineate? 
much except so. just go probably just go with the age at that mm-hmm. point with between those two. So yeah, so we got Mondesi really high. Um, and and I'm, you I'm know, ready to be hurt again. I, that, that's that's just kind of where I'm at too, and it's like because I, I I think I know what I'm getting, and I think that's a big part of it too in terms of if you just pr- prepare for things, um, then you can afford. To take on the risk, right? You're, you're building your risk portfolio, so to speak. To the make hard it part really is juicy. preparing for him, like of course. When he was going in the second round, like you were, at, you actually could be like, okay, I'm taking Mondesi here, and now I don't need to take speed. But like, let's say you don't draft speed in your first three picks, and then you take Mondesi. You, you say, I'm going to take Mondesi in the fourth, and he goes because there's always going to be a, a a truther. You know, it might be us. Um, mm-hmm. At times, then you're kind of effed because like speed really falls off the board fast. Uh, one and then things- you have to attack. You have to attack it with uh, a spread out approach, and you just start upping the guys uh, on your on your board that uh, that had those speed contributions. That is now your tiebreaker, and you start moving those guys up. Uh, because you're going to have a lot of similar tiers anyway. There's going to be a lot of outfielders that are in a huge cluster, and a handful of them are in the like 8 to 12 steal range, and then the other handful are in the 3 to four, three to 5 range. You just start moving up those other guys there to, to plan for that. Um, in fact, I also think drafting speed behind Mondesi, not at the expense of a player, but but still being mindful of it after the, after you draft him is the way I've approached it and why he hasn't killed me when i've lost him mm-hmm. yeah and I, I think that's i think you have to like i think you if you're going to draft mondesi i think what you do is you project like 20 to 25 stolen bases like don't project a full season worth because hey yeah. let's be honest he hasn't been you know he hasn't there's been there no recently. track record yeah. for that so um, you know I, I just got 25 steals but this is a lottery ticket mm-hmm. that could really pay off much yeah. higher i'm gonna fall into shares of Mondesi more than I'm going to plan on getting him. It's going to be like, hey, Mondesi's still here and I like my start. As opposed mm-hmm. to like coming into a draft going, I'm targeting Mondesi in the fourth round. Yeah, I, I, I think I will make sure that I at least uh, have a draft or two early on in, in like a draft and hold situation where I draft him early. already the third round. Uh, like yeah, see, top of the third, top of the he, forty-five or forty-six. This is ADP right now. Like he's there you go. Like he's gonna be a third rounder, and I in the third round, I'm probably not gonna take him. I would. Like I, 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 st- I still would. Like what I'm gonna do is definitely plan uh, to take him in a league early. And and build that whether it's a mock or or you know best ball draft and hold something, um, and then I'll and then I'll know how to maneuver from that right. The thing of it is is like when you're making game plans, you, you always got to have detours, even on something that isn't so. Um, this seems like this this one's such an all all eggs in one basket scenario that it feels like it's hard to pivot from it, but I don't think it is. I think you can pivot from it. I think you can plan for Mondesi. And if you enjoy that risk and you want to take that on, draft him. There'll be some people say, no shot. I won't take him anywhere near there. They look at the stats and they say, this is what he is. I get that. I get that. Other people want to spike the giant ear and they feel like they can mitigate the risk of taking that on. And that's the camp that we fall in. 
All right, Chris Bryant. Let's 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 jump back to this real quick. I got a few more minutes before I gotta go. Um, I, I think I'm overrating him there. But what do you have him? Ten? I think ten. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's fair. I, I, so I move Machado up to five, bumping Bryant to six. I I, I think they're the same player. So, really? So what, what, where 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 am I wrong on that? Well, Fangraphs is down, so that's uh, I know <laughs> that's a bummer. So I um. I was trying to compare them. I would have had some fancy stats to back that up, but yeah. Uh, um, what the di- I mean, one of the big differences is I mean, I know exactly where Machado is going to be playing. I like where he's going to be playing. Uh, I also Chris Bryant's health history uh, is something I'm not super enticed by. Um, uh, KB's health. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one forty four. 34 in in that in the shortened season so he he missed time 147 102 151 you know I, I don't want to go too far back on those 150s that's back in 2017 he's a different player from that time he's going to be 30 next year uh he went 25 and 10 this year though and I, I you know he gives you a contribution most years he only had two in 2018 um and none in 2020 because he was nursing through it he had a brutal he had a brutal uh season that's just a washout for me but I, I don't know. I really like Chris Bryant. And... I, like, I mean, I like him too. I put him I put him tenth, which you know, I mean, isn't like a ringing endorsement. It's, What's his ADP? Oh, that's a good question. Let's see. Uh, Bryant's ADP is eighty five. He is the eighth third baseman off. So the basically board. just splitting the difference of where we're at. Yeah. Uh, you know, right so I'm, now I'm on the high end. You're on the lower end. Yeah. Um, Machado's third at the position. That's where I have him. Oh. Oh yeah, I have Riley at three. Yeah, but the Mondesi's at four, right? Where we have him, so we're not yeah. even out on a limb. No, the uh, the third we're base the ranks market. are like, oh my god, like uh, the top the top nine or no no Bryant Bryant's up at eight, so the top seven are exactly how I have them ranked, um, and then I have Rendon above Chris Bryant, and I have Lemayhew, and they're they're nine ten on the ADP, so. Um, yeah, pretty actually really close. My my ranks in the ADP just kind of are pretty yeah. in line. So so are mine. Like there's a few subtle differences, but it's not it's not much. Um, and I I wonder does that maybe speak to the the blandness that we're talking about? That people aren't taking any sort of uh, risk. They're just kind of going down the line because it it just kind of plays straight. Yeah, like, I don't because I, I mean there's a huge of, drop like, off. Upside. Yeah, there's a big drop off after, you know, eight, nine, ten. You've got Chris Bryant at eighty five, uh, you know, pick eighty five, uh, Anthony Rendon at pick one sixteen, Dijon Mayhew at one thirty four, and then you start hitting one fifties and one seventies and one eighties. Like yep. people are like people are doing exactly what I said, That's which is uh, if I don't get one of these top seven to ten guys, I'm probably waiting a little while. Yeah. Um, you know, and there'll be exceptions to that, right? Like, I'm as much as Hayes burned me, uh, Brian Hayes burned me this last year. Um, again, oh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm gonna Charlie head. Brown kick the football on that one. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Um, you know, there, uh, uh, Urias is a guy that I really, uh, have kind of gr- that has grown on me. Mm-hmm. I'm probably gonna be taking him above his ADP. Uh, I need to move I was a big fan, too. I, I really liked him back in Fall League, and, yeah, uh, I remember the. The pop 
and I remember saying like, you know, and you always got to be careful just getting hooked on one or two games, right? Of course. But you, but you see the, the, the skill displayed and I saw the pop and I was, Jose Ramirez is what, where, where I went with it in terms of this little guy pop, not a switch hitter. He's a righty, but that's, that's where I went. And I've been just kind of waiting. This was a big pop off year. And I think he can, I think he could even do more. He's going to be 25 next year. And again, I think there is some Jose Ramirez, not so much as with the speed. He is like a little contributor, five steals, whatever. That's not game changing speed, but with the pop. And I think he can add some batting average too. I like Arias. I'm going to be in this year on kind of uh, buying into what we saw. Cause I don't think that there's a big tax on, on the breakout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's triple eligible. Yeah, I do love. I love the triple eligibility. Me, you know me and my eligibility. One of the reasons uh, I like Cole Tucker a lot this year. Oh, he's gonna play a lot, right? Um, I believe I. Yeah, he, he should. He was leading off for the Pirates. I mean, people are gonna ask me who my Cedric Mullins of uh, Tucker. Um, and You've already no, got him. The answer is there is no Cedric Mullins. Oh. That was a once in a lifetime. Uh, Boo, do it every year. But um, Cole Tucker is a guy that, uh, you know, going outside top 700 picks, uh, he was leading off for Pittsburgh. This is one of the things I saw and, you know, was the usage of Mullins down the stretch in 2020. Uh, Cole Tucker was leading off. Depending on what league you're in, he may have a whole bunch of different eligibilities. Unfortunately, in NFPC, he's only eligible shortstop. But, yeah, I mean, Cole Tucker is kind of the early clubhouse favorite of a guy that I'm going to be targeting. Also, uh, my boy Bradley Simmer. Um, hey. He's getting some love on Twitter now. See that? Uh, I know that's uh, that's your guy. Yeah. Um, I've been talking about him for a minute. Yeah. I'm, I'm, shit, I've, I've been on him since college. <laughs> yeah. Waiting. So. He, you know, he, well, we'll talk about him in outfield, but uh, on the next episode, eight and fifteen in ninety-nine games, some real power there. If you can hone in a little bit, because it's two twenty-seven average, and I don't necessarily think that there's an easy path to improving that. You just kind of got to get lucky. But I think the price is. But we'll talk more about him later. I do have to get going. Uh, but these are great discussions. We're going to do this with. It might all be outfield next next time because. Um, if we get some news ahead, I think we can really dive in and have these challenge conversations and see where we would go with our ranks. Because this is the best part of, of the offseason for me. Is or This is the main thing I do, too, is just challenge the rankings. And that, that's where mock drafts are useful. And I know that, you know, not everyone loves them. Uh, of course, Rob Silver kind of has made it known that he, he despises them. I get it. But to run things. And, and at least try to get through scenarios where you know the player pool as well as you can know it. And again, trying to have that snapshot of a guy is, is the most important thing. When his name is said, what do you think about him and where do you want to draft him? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm holding – I'm trying to hold off on, on my first draft of the season. Uh, it's, it's difficult, man. Stay strong. Stay strong. Uh, I I'm still have not drafted uh, since, since Arizona Fall League. So you sound like an addict. I, I miss it, man. Okay, you stay strong. I'm not trying to make fun of addiction, by the way. <laughs> um, 
we probably are addicted to this. Let's be honest. Absolutely. Like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I love it so there, much. There's an old phrase in, uh, in the room, in the recovery rooms, um, of, uh, it's called switching the seats on the Titanic. Um, it's, you know, changing addictions, uh, because the boat still goes to the same spot. Yeah. Um, you know, even if you move to the back of it, but, uh, yeah, I, I love to draft. I really do. It, it's so great. Well, um, we'll wrap up here. Be back Thursday. Uh, yeah. Thursday. Th- right, back, th- probably back Friday. Oh, Friday, Friday. Friday. Okay. So we're back Friday talking outfield and hopefully some more moves. Cause I like that. We're getting a little something going in the off season here. Like I said, I was a bit nervous that it could be dry, but at least we're getting some action here. We'll see what we get for Friday and then uh, deep dive the outfield. If there's anybody specific that's really troubling you guys in the outfield rankings that you want us to discuss, hit us on Twitter at Spore at Justin Mason FWFB. And we'll be back then. Justin, take care. Take it easy.